Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. We are again covering some ground that is not normally covered on this podcast. For those of you who care about football, we know you care about fantasy football. It's not something we ever really talk about. But, you know, at at our core, it's, it would be impossible to say that it's something we completely ignore uh, in our own lives. And so here we are to serve you today with an interesting conversation with friend of the pod, Siege DFS, to talk fantasy football. Siege, welcome back to the Deep Dive. I know. I'm, I'm very happy you brought me back. This is a little bit better. I'm in my office this year instead of uh, 40 stories up in a Las Vegas hotel. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Last oh, shit. Year. Yeah, you, you called year. in from Vegas. Yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. Oh. It was well, perfect timing you? last year, but this is much better when I have all my numbers in front of me. That's right. What were you doing last year? You were doing the, the Fantasy Football National Championship? Yeah, uh, some of the national long competitions I was coming back. Well, I had just been in San Diego for a DFS live final, and I had kind of had a few days to kill in Vegas before uh, the live draft season started. So it actually worked out, but I like having all my numbers in front of me when I talk fantasy football. So this is easier. Very good, very good. Well, um, if I, you know, if you could kind of give us a general sense of sort of the temperature of what's going on in the fantasy community right now, I, I'm in, I'm intrigued. Like, you know, are, are people still like what proportion of people that care about fantasy that are consuming fantasy content are are playing season long fantasy football with their twelve, ten or twelve team friend, you know, friends going back ten years? Like, is that 95%? still ninety five percent? Ninety five. Oh my gosh. Wow. I, mean, I, st- wow. I still am. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, I, it's, it's, people like, I live in the DFS bubble a lot of the time. Sure, sure. But you have to remember, like, it's just that. It's a very small bubble. Um, <laughs> and, you know, millions upon millions of people play, like, season-long fantasy football. I think it was something like 34 million in the last study. Something, oh, something my God. Some, some egregious number that you're just like, there's no way. Oh, man. That's like... um as many or more people to fill out like a college tournament bracket. I mean, that's like every, that's like every adult male and 20% of adult females between 18 and 49. Right. I mean, like that's, that's so many people. It's insane. That number might be high, but it was, I remember looking at it as part of like, you know, and it was commissioned by the fantasy sports and gaming association. So, you know, again, maybe it's skewed a little high, but it's some egregious number that you're just like, come on. Okay, so but but even beyond that though, like it does feel like the fantasy community is trying to innovate. They're trying to do cool new things. They're trying to address some of the concerns of the people who have you know are kind of growing. You know, they feel like season long fantasy is growing stale. Like there there are other competitions and interesting things going on, right? Oh yeah, there's a ton of things. I mean, uh, best ball has become a bigger and bigger part of it. Uh, the national season long competitions where you play against all the leagues instead of just your standard twelve team league. Uh, there's a lot of cool innovation going on. Um, and it, i got to be honest, it, it's nice to be able to just draft and be done. Like, best ball is a lot of fun. You know, <laughs> oh, draft and be done. Um, seriously. Oh, it's so nice. And then you just get to, you get to sweat all year long and you don't have to do any work. It's I, I love the format. So much variance in it, but, God, it's so much fun. Andy, is the best part of uh, fantasy football for you the draft day? Yeah, I was going to say it, it is the draft. It always has been. And oh. I don't know why I have. I, I probably will just get into some best ball because the draft is the fun part. And it's like we talked a little off the air and CJ mentioned that, you know, some of the leagues where there's no trades involved. And I wouldn't mind that because I've never been good at trades and I never have the time to like flesh them out. I like just draft a team and worrying about doing some pickups throughout the season. So I'll probably and honestly, it's like you said, the, the changes we've seen lately, I don't know if I even heard of best ball before like last year. Yeah, and when no, someone explained what it is, like, oh it'd be God, like it'd be like so shit. Smart. I would I would do that. <laughs> so smart. I mean, we we used to do that all summer. We'd uh, well, and you know, this was something that was probably around before we got into it. But just yeah, you know, I'm by we. I mean, it's me and some of the buddies that I had in, in my leagues, and we were doing you know mock drafts, you know, five six years ago when we first discovered that, you know, the people. people 
people had sites where you could do a mock draft against the, you know, just the computer or other people that would pop in. Like it's, it's essentially what best ball is. You can do a shitload of mock drafts and then see how it actually plays out throughout the season instead of it just being over right then and there. So mock I probably won't get into that outside of, yeah, the mock drafts are fun. Mock drafts for money. That's basically what they are. That's great. Yeah. Oh, what a concept. I fucking love this. Okay. So, uh, there, but you know, the, the fantasy community has kind of been ahead of us by, and you know, I feel it. Like I follow a lot of people who are tangentially, you know, DFS people or, or full on just like split between betting and DFS as you are. And, you know, you catch wind of, oh man, we're doing the, what is it? The Scott Fishbowl or whatever. Like, you know, like they are, they are ramped up, ready to go. Rankings in order, already have their entire season projected, like as of July 1st. Like it's impressive how far ahead this community is because so much of the action for them happens in, you know, July and August. Like what, what's some of the interesting kind of news and, and some of the interesting gossip going on around the community? Like, you know, anyone who took a chance on Tyreek Hill and Pat Mahomes in the, in the, you know, in the early drafts is, is beating their chests and, and claiming their scalps. Yeah. Tyreek Hill is definitely one where people are, um, there's, there's a, like a $25 million best ball out there on draft. Um, Draft.com slash Arbor Pro. Okay, I'm done with the promos now. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. A what? $25 entry fee and first place is walking away with a million dollars. Nice. Okay, okay. But, but like, so drafts in that thing started in like May, like late <laughs> May. Um, and so people were getting Tyree Kill in like the 10th, 11th round before, because the whole world assumed he was going to get suspended. Yeah. Like in that tournament, like you just can't take Tyree Kill now in the second round. It's just like, you're like the team you're facing teams in this national competition that have Tyreek in the 11th round. Why would you draft him in the second round? Right. You're just putting yourself at a massive disadvantage. Yeah. Um, but like, but people take them like one team always takes them in the second round. It's like, okay, well that team is drawing dead for a million dollars and we're not even at the end of round two every time. Cause like if, if Tyreek kill goes off of the playoff weeks, it's going to be a team that drafted him in weeks and rounds nine, 10, 11. That's going to win. That's a good point. That's a good so point. Any other major, take, anything uh, else major? Like, uh, I guess AJ Green getting hurt was probably pretty, pretty brutal eh. for some teams. He was, what was he going like, fifth, sixth round? Yeah, maybe a little earlier, like late fourth. But, okay. you know, he's going to miss a couple weeks. But in like best ball formats, like that's the kind of the nature of it, you know. The key is just to not have one of your highest owned players just pop an ACL and be done for the year before you even start. Like, that's rough. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not going to happen this year. We're not going to let it happen. Knock on wood. Um, there's, there's only a couple players that I just like. Even if it was someone I had like twenty percent of, like not the end of the world. But there's a couple players I'm in the forties on. And it's just like that would be rough. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are some other interesting uh, kind of stories and and uh, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. There's just so many hot takes out there. Like people trying to like. I mean, look. I, I'm a hot take guy. You guys know that. But like. <laughs> These, like there are takes that are just like yeah, they're not informed takes. I'll give you an example, like saying that Kyler Murray is going to be terrible this year, like just means that like you haven't ever watched Kyler Murray play or watched the air raid. You know, there, there there's a take out there. It's like oh, like like Kingsbury's offenses were never good. And you're just like, first of all, you have a national TV radio show. And like, that's just not factually accurate in any shape, manner, or form, no matter how you put it. Like, it's just like, how? How is this a thing? And how is this not being just like, like, and people are like, I agree, like, go. And I'm just like, how? How? Like, I understand if you want to say, like, Kyra Murray's not going to make it 16 games. Okay. That's a perfectly understandable take. Like, you look at Cliff Kingsbury quarterback last year, they couldn't make it more than two weeks at a time before getting knocked out. Okay. That's a reasonable take. But to say the offenses never work? Come on. Like, <laughs> It's just like now you're just trying to like you know be like be the bit for a week, and it's just like we're better than this, right? Like, is that really what we're degrading to? So about Kyle no, Murray, what it, it, it it makes me think of like the rest of sports, you know? That's yeah, yeah. it's just like anything else, and I think people, hopefully, people have just learned from. I don't know. We should almost give it a name, just like the Skip Bayless phenomenon. Like people, the people that reply to Skip Bayless. Or or Steven or any of those guys, like in earnest, 
those people just crack me up. He, he doesn't really think that, you guys. Come on. He's just saying that to get a bunch of, like, the ratio The ratio is just fine for him. People like that don't care about the ratio as long as they're getting impressions. They just want people talking about him. And, I, and it bleeds over. Like, nobody's going to be as bad as Skip. But that's the thing. It does like, bleed don't... over into everything else. Betting. Yeah. yeah. They don't, hopefully, they don't believe shit like that. It's, it's just, just frustrating because they've, they've ruined what hot takes are, though. Like, hot takes should be like hot takes should be something where like it's a long shot to happen, but it's within like reasonable, like within reason. And you explain like the you know two sides of the argument. Let's just say this is one that I've been out there with a lot. Like Joe Mixon outscores Ezekiel Elliott, right? Hot take, absolute hot take, right? But then like it's not just like I say it and I'm done. It's like okay, here's why I'm high on Joe Mixon, and here's why I'm low on Zeke Elliott. Like, is this most probably going to happen? No. But I think there's a reasonable chance of this happening. Let me discuss both these players. That nature of the hot take is gone. And it's so frustrating. It's like, because hot takes were an awesome way to like engage conversation. And everyone now is just turning into this like, let's say the craziest thing possible to get clicks. So it just sucks. Okay, well let's let's zero in on the on two things then that you just brought up. Because first, first of all, strong strong agree on all of this. And and that's you know, clearly not what we do here. So, you know, we don't really have to belabor this. But uh the, yeah, the Kyler Murray thing I think is interesting. Um did uh, and our friend Joey Nish, uh and I kind of came very close to firing on this like in May when I thought started thinking hard about it and I wish I had now because the number has moved a lot. Um, but like what percent chance do you think Kyler Murray leads the league in passing yards this year? I mean, the, the Cardinals are dogs in every single game they're going to play. Like he's, if you know, he, he's going to be Here's trying to throw them into games, right? Here's yeah. the problem, right? If he leads the league in passing, he's going to win the MVP. Well, okay. Well, no, no, let me challenge you on that though, because you have to be a clear and obvious like playoff contender for sure to win the MVP. If he leads the league in passing yards, that team is nine and seven. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a scenario where, you know, yeah, yeah. Can you think of somebody who's thrown for like 5,000 yards? Yeah, and Matt Stafford had a losing season. Matt Stafford. I mean, yeah, I mean, Mess, it would yeah, be Stafford, probably Stafford, Stafford when he was younger team. under Schwartz one year. I think yeah. he had like 750 attempts and like 5,000 yards passing. And they <laughs> were like five. Also going to have the rushing too, right? So it's going to be 5,000 passing plus 900 on the ground plus like four touchdowns, right? So like even if that number isn't like ridiculously huge, it's going to sound way cooler, right? So it's like 5,000 <laughs> yards plus 800 rushing and four rushing touchdowns. It's like, oh, wow, that's so much better. And it's like, probably only a couple hundred yards better but like the narrative will just get out of control if Tyler and that offense keeps working because like if they start hopping on all cylinders and week one versus Detroit it's very tough for this narrative but like if they if they can somehow like turn that game into a shootout right yeah the hype is just never going to stop right and if he leads the league in pass it's like how do you split the Patrick Mahomes hype I, I do it just like Patrick Mahomes right like once that hype started it basically was a runaway freight train it's no absolutely way. impossible because it's so dynamic and it looks so cool and it's going to be on Sports Center every single time. If Kyler Murray leads the league in passing, like I would want to be on the MVP. Oh, okay. Without looking, without looking, the MVP. I should say am as well. Like with that, I, I, with, the one that I have in right now. I have two bets. Okay. In okay. We, we're talking him up here, so we've already kind of tainted the pool here. But uh, without looking, what would you guess his uh, passing yards over prop number is? Andy, do you want to guess? Oh, what do you think? Like 37, 3,800? Okay, Siege, All what's right. your guess? Siege, don't, what's your guess, Siege? I mean, I mean, 250 a game is what? Uh, 42, 43? Something like that? Could I interest you in an over 3375 and a half? Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's his number right now. I'm not freaking kidding, man. It's what the hell is that? It's like 200 yards a game, right? Okay, let's see. Two two fifty is four thousand. Sixteen. It is two hundred and eleven yards. Two eleven. Two eleven per game. They're basically they're basically they're, they're basically projecting thirteen or twelve games with that. Yeah, I think that's about right. But yeah, you're probably those right. Are DAC numbers. But like, the, <laughs> there's a there's a scenario where like he's at like twenty nine hundred through eight weeks. Like I think that, that too. Like I think there's a scenario where they just go off. 
Yeah, you when you when you told me you told me there was some interesting takes on Kyler Murray. I immediately looked up his props and I about fell out of my chair when I saw this one. Uh, his rushing yards is four fifty five and a half. That seems reasonable, but thirty three seventy five for passing seems absolutely ludicrous. Given that they're going to be dogs in like every single game, that's not behind it like twelve preseason. Games. By the way, it's what you it's just not going to make it through the it's not going to make it through the preseason. Just imagine, just imagine right running an air raid system in preseason games. Against oh, yeah, awful yeah. corners, yeah. Like, yeah. there's only one way that's gonna go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good point. Well, especially if they leave him in longer and he's playing against backup. You know, you got a backup free safety and you're running air raid. It's like, well, there's another one. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the, the six string cornerback, like against Key, like even like Keyshawn Johnson, probably, like probably like the number five wide receiver. It's just like Keyshawn Johnson's gonna obliterate any sixth corner in the league. Like, yeah. it's gonna get ugly. Yeah, it's gonna get ugly fast. Okay, so let me ask you then about your other guy that you mentioned, Mixon. Uh, so you're high on Mixon? Yeah, I, I'm high. What, on what's Mixon. what's what's the what's the elevator pitch on Mixon? Uh, basically, the offense is not run by Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson. This is a t- coaching staff last year that, in the middle of the season, went, you know what we're missing? Hugh Jackson. That's yes. what's missing <laughs> in our offense. And now they just <laughs> up one that was under Sean McVay. I don't really care how good or how bad he is. It's not Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson. It's going to be a better offense. It's going to be more. Look, is the offensive line an issue? Sure. But Joe Mixon's explosive. Like, this is this analogy is slightly out of taste. So, like, if you're kind of get offended by things, easily, <laughs> just skip 30 seconds. Right? But it, I think this really does prove my point. Joe Mixon, with all of his off-the-field baggage, and we all know what that is. Sure. Still went 48th overall in the draft. Tyreek Hill went in the fifth round. And so he's a dynamic talent. We've just all forgotten it because, like, he was in such a terrible system the first okay. few years. That's a fair point. Okay, like, so without looking, uh, Andy, what's uh, Joe Mixon's uh, rushing yards prop number? You want to guess? Oh, shit. I, you didn't prep me for questions like this. <laughs> Jesus. I'm going to be bad at these. I like. Uh, You're probably going to get this. 899. Close. Okay. Uh, 899. Siege. I have no idea. Siege, what would you guess? It's got to be higher than this. Uh, give him, like, the line has to be, like, 12 games at 100, so, like, 1150. Ooh, you're close. It's 1199 and a half. Uh, I almost so said 100, too. Yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, it's higher than James Conner. It's higher than Fournette. It's uh, higher than Le'Veon Bell. It should be. Uh, it should be. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's not. It's, all, it's, it's just a little bit under uh, Derrick Henry. Um, but yeah, that was surprising too. Uh, I'm surprised to see it that high. But obviously, you know, people share your your, your view and your vision on this. Uh, this is so. a hot take. It, it, like the Joe Mixon people are like, they're starting to jump off the wayside because of the offensive line. And I like, they forget that Drew Sample, they drafted him in the second round. is a very good blocking tight end. And he's really going to mask a lot of their problems at left tackle this year. They're gonna play. They're gonna play Eifert kind of as like a slot receiver, tight end guy, kind of like the Gronk role, and they're gonna have Sample be on the left tackle side every time, helping block. So, I, I think that that offensive line worries are a little bit overstated. Okay, that sounds good. Um, okay, well let's let's talk a little strategy on. Uh, let, let's serve the ninety five percent of people and uh, you know who are playing fantasy football and who are preparing. Yeah, for they're in the their twelve man home league <clears throat> redraft. Okay, just take Tony Pollard. Do you do any anymore, Whale? No, I do not. <laughs> I'm still holding. I'm still holding on to my home league. A yeah. Waiting list in mine. Oh just wow! When's your, when is your when is your draft, Andy? Andy, when's your when's your draft? Um, what's the holiday? What's the ho- what's the holiday? Labor Day. I can never keep the two straight. Labor Which Day. The end of the Labor, Labor Day, Day Memorial week, Day. Which, Labor whichever Day is one the weekend is in the before NFL starts. It's the you go a week before that, or you do it. Yeah. Labor Day. Labor Day, Labor Day Sunday. Okay. But, so okay. That's so you're so, bigger one I'm in. Yeah. So you got a full month to prepare. Yeah. Um, we we okay. go right right up to the end. We nobody nobody wants like for years people would get pissed if we tried to do that one early. Wants to be the guy that drafts, you know, AJ Green in August or July. Okay, so okay, let, let me put let me put you in my situation then. 
Uh, it's been a couple of years since I really went through this and, and gave serious attention to the draft. But this best ball thing actually has piqued my interest. I'm going to do best ball this year. Um, maybe I'll do a couple uh, just because I can set it and forget it. And it's in a time of the season when I'm otherwise not really betting. So I'm, I'm kind of into this now. Um, what, you know, what do I need to know? What has changed about the way you approach draft strategy for this season that I might not be totally keen on if I haven't been paying super close attention the last couple of years, Siege? So you in your intro, or this might have been off air, you said tight end is weak. I would completely disagree with that. Oh, okay. Okay. Tight end this year is pretty loaded. Oh, okay. Interesting. Like there's so you, 14 to 15 guys I'm pretty comfortably happy drafting. Oh, whoa. Whoa. That puts you into like the... G- That's too many Greg tight Olsen ends to have on your team, Siege. I don't want to say tight ends don't matter, but I don't really freak out about it during drafts. Like... If one is comes to me at the right price, great. I'll take one early. If not, I'll take my Kyle Rudolphs, my my Gusecki's, and I'll move on to the world. Is this because you just like you see a bunch of sleepers that you're like pretty high on? Like yeah, the, like, the, like the Mark Andrews, the Hawkinsons, the the Jordan Reeds type of deal. Yeah, Tyler Eifert's, um, Mike Gusecki. Like I know there's all this Nick O'Leary crap is coming out of camp. That's just a whole lot of garbage. Like every time I watch a seven on seven video, it's Mike Gusecki making a catch in the end zone. This is the Patriots mantra. You don't give anything to rookies. Uh, just being pl- played out, anything to young players. You're seeing it with like Drake is not getting the first snaps at running back. Like they're giving it to Balage. Like it's a whole lot of the mental games the Pats play. And just Ryan Flores has just copied and pasted it with Chad O'Shea and just brought it down to Miami. Oh, Everyone's correct. freaking out, but End of the day, like Mike Gusecki is going to take the first snap at tight end, and Drake will be in the backfield on first down come opening weekend. Okay, so I was under the impression that if you didn't get Kelsey or Kittle, you were totally effed at tight end. That's- Kittle is Kittle is one of the guys on our do not draft list this year. Whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah. Wow. What is because there's just more depth at receiver on uh, on Forty Niners in general. Yeah, it'll be a reach. It's like a stock. It's like a stock, right? For a guy it's like a stock. Okay, so, you're buying the top if you buy him this year. Exactly. Okay, that's right. Exactly right. You're like you're you're paying for the same player you got last year, and now you're paying like last year you're going the tenth, eleventh round. This year he's going the second. Like you're buying high instead of buying low. Okay, that's exactly what you're doing. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, what about Kelsey? Yeah, I, I liked him a bit more when I thought Tyreek was going to be out for a while. To be honest. Oh, um, of course, of course. Yeah, I still like him. Uh, he's a he's like, like I do enjoy like having him in the best balls at the end of the first round. You know, you pair up Julio and Kelsey, like that's a lot of fun. Mm. Um, you know, having that solid rock tight end that you don't have to worry about in the best balls uh, is definitely nice. Then you can only draft two, or feel comfortable only drafting two. So I, I, I Kelsey's a guy I do like. I don't have this massive love affair with him, but I think like I'm going to be even with the field on him, like. He'll probably end up on like fifteen percent of my rosters when it's all okay. That makes sense. Um, okay, let's 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 uh, let's go to the very top here. Let's talk about round one. Let's talk about one point one. Um, uh, knowing nothing else, the, the <laughs> fact that uh, the fact that Saquon Barkley is going to be kind of the only offensive weapon on an otherwise pretty poor team and going to have a usage like we haven't seen since I don't even know when. Um, you know, is he the clear and obvious 1.1 at this point? He's my 1. 1.5? 1.5? 1.4, excuse me. 1.4? It's my 1.4. Oh, my 1.5. McCaffrey season, maybe. McCaffrey season, yeah. You have McCaffrey 1.1? 1.1. Wow. Okay. And can what's you, what's, you, what's the rationale? What's the rationale? Can you name me because, the backup for the yeah. Carolina Panthers at running back? Uh, is it Jonathan Stewart? <laughs> no, Leroy Horde. It, 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 it's literally like a guy they drafted in the sixth round and a UDFA. D'Angelo like, Williams. It, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's a guy that you've never heard of. It's called his name's Jordan Scarlett. Like, oh yeah, it, that's not. I have never heard of him. So McCaffrey's workload is pretty much locked in. Cam Newton. He was the number one player last year outside of Todd Gurley, who is a whole different conversation. Um, I'm just not including him in any of my 2018 stats. Okay. He ran like a god, is now hurt, doesn't really factor into the first-round conversation right now. Okay. So, but Christian McCaffrey, you know, was number one overall outside of Gurley again. But he did it with Cam Newton having a bum shoulder for like three weeks and then playing with like quarterbacks you can't even remember. I can't even remember their names. 
like um, the kid from Texas A&M who's yeah who's Gary, around. I, 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 Gary I want to say Josh Gary Gilbert right. no no I can't oh, even, I can't remember Gilbert Allen. Godfrey Gilbert Godfrey no, <laughs> oh, forget about it Allen but it's not Josh Allen Josh Allen yeah. down the bills but I can't think of who it is right now I started a guy from like Georgia Southern for a game Taylor Hinkie so like and he still was able to be the number one running back Okay. He's got a full year of DJ Moore, full year of Curtis Samuel. They're not going to play around with Torrey Smith as the number one in week one or Devin Funchess. Like, they're going to have all their best players on the field all 16 games. Um, there really isn't a good defense in that division other than maybe the Saints. It's going to be a scoring division. Good weather in the NFC South, as always. I just have much more confidence in Christian McCaffrey's role than really any of the other guys up here. If it's not a PPR, is he still your 1.1? It doesn't matter the format. He's 1.1. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, do you remember last year when we were doing this and playing the same game about guest of stats and Christian McCafferty's rushing yards were 625? Remember how we, remember how we, <laughs> yeah, we, we all bet <laughs> that during the pod. During the pod. We yes. all just pulled up. Yeah. We all just bet it right then and there. Like, wow. Okay. We took a break from recording so we could all go back. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funnest. That was the funnest. What was that? That was the most fun season. That was, it was it, I think it was, oh, I mean, it was home it was, by weekend. It was it, midway. It was, it was yeah. for sure yeah, home by weekend. But that that was that easy. was the most that was the most fun preseason bet I made all year last year. Hopefully, Kyler Murray passing is this year's example of that. Um, but let's um, let's talk a little bit. Uh, let me let me guess a little bit about who else. We should talk some more five. about Gurley. Oh, Gurley's a well, whole different conversation. Well, no, I want to know who the like, rest is he, of is he, top is he going to retire? I want to know okay. who the rest of Siege's top five is first. So you have you have Barkley one point four. You said yes. Okay, so your one point one is McCafferty. Let's say one point two, Zeke Elliott. Nope. Zeke's what? Zeke's 1.5. Whoa. Okay. If you take one uh, thing away from this podcast, if you take one thing away from this podcast and one thing only, sure. just t- draft Tony Pollard in the 13th round of your homeroom. <laughs> Everyone's going to go, who the beep is that? I was about to say that. And it's, <laughs> he's good. He basically is what Alvin Kamara is to the Saints for the Cowboys. Okay. How do you okay. how do you spell his name quick? Tony, in case yeah. other people Tony are writing Pollard, it down. Not for me. P O L L A R D. He's from Memphis. All right. He was the guy who played with Daryl Henderson, um, who's also a fantastic sleeper, but he's going to go way higher because Todd is broken. Okay. Uh, but he's just a dynamic, dynamic player. The Cowboys, like they've been trying not to hype him up all offseason. Their former GM came out and gave him like 260 touches. And like they're in his like rookie prospect, like Gil Brandt was like 260 touches. And I was like, all right, stop. We gotta stop the hype. Like this was like in April. I was like, no, 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 no. I need to get some Tony Pollard in my life first before this hype train starts. The Zeke holdout is really not helping my cause. Like I wish he would just sign already. Sure. Like people are like, oh, like if he holds out, like Pollard will be the one. I mean, A, he will be, but his value has no impact. Like, I mean, it has impact, but like he's gonna be a fantasy producer whether Zeke's on the field or not. Got it. Okay. Um, so your so Zeke is 1.5 for you. So 1.2. I'm still trying to get your second guy. Uh, is it running back for sure? Yeah. From top David, five running backs. David Johnson. It, it's very close between Alvin Kamara and David Johnson. Okay. Um, okay. 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 I, I so have, two is Kamara for you? Yeah. I, I think okay. it's, it's really close. Um, I'm actually just encouraged by the Saints' consistent willingness to not run him into the ground. Because I think that's just really going to keep his availability fresh. He's going to get his 15 touches a game, 16 touches, but they're very high valuable touches. They're not going to try to run him into the ground. You know, your best, your best assets availability. Like if you're on the bench, you're not doing the team a whole lot of good. As long as they're going to keep him fresh. And Sean Payton's been super stubborn, giving guys like Tim Hightower carries to keep his running backs fresh. They got Latavius Murray. Um, I'm, it's close because David Johnson, if that offense just moves, could be like stupid good. Yeah. Stupid good. Yeah. Uh, but I think they're going to give Chase Edmonds a, enough work where I think Kamara still ends up 1.2, but it's very close. And also, it's just that Kamara goes higher than David Johnson. So, like, if I fire up 10 teams, right? And I, you know, you get the even distribution of picks. If yeah. I had David Johnson too, I would never get Alvin Kamara. Oh God! Yeah. Oh, of course. Oh man, you're game theory way deeper than I would in this. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I got you. I got so you. It, it's close, but I just do it in the way so I can be overweight on both players instead of I got like you. taking a. But stand. you're gonna. So, but but if you're if you're one five, four on Barkley and one five on Zeke, you're you you never have those players. 
You know, it's funny. I actually got my first Zeke share the other night at one five. Like I was, oh, okay. it was a momentous moment. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh okay. I got some I have to take Zeke here. This, this is really weird. And then I was trying, like, I'm on the clock. I have 30 seconds. I'm like, do I really even have Zeke at one five? Can I just, and I, in my head, I was just like, no, you have to take him, I guess. It was a pretty disappointing pick, but it's just like, I can't really justify anyone else over him at that point. Okay. So pretty, pretty significant, uh, drop off in tier after those five running backs in your opinion i mean i probably have like zeke and joe mixon really close to each other oh Um, wow okay but i don't need to be drafting joe mixon in the first round like those people are just scared off enough by that offensive line i can get him in the second round which got it great if i can get a first round player on my board in the second round i will gladly do that are you the most overweight on mixon shares of any running back no it's tony pollard Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, 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 it's it's weird to think about having so many damn leagues. You know, it like is. I've been it's one. Best, I, I think I'm in two. You're in best balls, right? So I'm done with these teams. Oh yeah, no, I know, and I will be doing some of that. It's, I have 150. It's funny to like right think now. about that. I have 150 right now, and I have 51 percent Tony Pollard. So that, nice. that's I can't number. imagine. The worst part is I'm like that number's low. I need to work on drafting him more. <laughs> I used to be in three or four and it used to drive me nuts where, you know, after a certain point, And I think honestly, that point is when you add a second fantasy league, it's like, Oh, I'm playing against this player. And I have this player on my other team in the other league. I can't imagine what that's like with 150 best balls. It's just like, you're cheering for and against everyone it's all the time. Like, no, it's just, just like, okay, like, I guess, hope you drafted well and the, the combinations you put together do well enough throughout the long haul and you, you quit worrying about individual players at that point. It's like, I Except, I mean, if there'll be guys that you have heavy, heavy, heavy shares of, you know, the guys that you have like 30, 40, 50% exposure, I suppose you're still really, you really got to cheer for them. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't have the turn. Otherwise, you're dicked. I'm at 55% Tony Pollard in tournaments. That's much better. That's more like it. I'm telling you, man. Like, I, in, like in the high stakes leagues in Vegas that we were talking about, he'll by the end of draft season, he'll be going the seventh or eighth round. Wow. It, it, um, it's just like it's just a race to like which which fantasy expert reaches the most for him right now. Like, it's, that's great. The helium on him is through the roof. That is great. Um, let's uh, last running back. I have a real serious question about is: uh, Are you extremely underweight on uh, Melvin Gordon? Uh, was he was on he was on our our do not draft list, which is not like a standard do not draft list. Like it's a, it's, I mean, we got players in the first round of do not draft list, right? So it's not like the this sixth round player that no one wants. Like you know, <laughs> these are real players that people think are good on this list. Um, he was on the list. Uh, before the holdout, um, you know, once the holdout started, I started grabbing some late second round best ball shares. A couple of days ago, I grabbed a couple in the third. Wow. Slide to third? Apparently. Apparently. Oh, I have yet to see this myself. I haven't entered any of the last couple of days. Apparently, he's falling into late four, early five. Whoa. That feels a little extreme to me. Um, I thought it was a little extreme when he went in the late second. There, The problem is there's recency bias on Le'Veon Bell, right? Sure. Um, sure. This situation is different. Like he's getting fined every day he misses. He's going to lose out on four hundred thousand dollars every preseason game he misses. Okay. I compare this more to the Khalil Mack and Errol Donald situations in terms of contract situations. Now those players play a more valuable position than running back, but they got the deals done before the season started, and they just waived the fines. I know that everyone's looking at that Melvin Gordon tape of him saying, like, we got to hold out as a position, but he just has no leverage. It's just a really hard situation for me to believe he's actually going to miss, like, decide to take $3 million in fines to start missing regular season games. Uh, yeah, I, that's, you, that's that's solid. That's, that, that's the, you're, you're right. He does not have the leverage. Uh, and yeah, here's the thing. True. If you last year took Le'Veon Bell, like I did, I had a lot of Le'Veon Bell and it went poorly. Now, after it happened, I read the entire CBA because <laughs> I was not going to get loopholed again. Yeah. If I read the CBA before the draft last year, I would have realized that this was a realistic possibility. Um, but I didn't, and I'm an attorney, and I should have known better. <laughs> this year, I read this. I, so one of the first things I did this offseason was read the CBA, read the whole CBA in terms of contracts. So I wasn't going to get loopholed again. Yeah. Um, I, I just think people are just doing the simple, like, 
Le'Veon Bell held out, therefore Melvin Gordon is going to hold out without understanding the nuances. And like anything in life, nuances really determine the outcome. Um, I, I think if you took Le'Veon Bell last year, you need to be taking Melvin Gordon at the current prices. Okay. Like kind of my take because I got you. I'm playing against all these teams again, like twenty five hours to win a million. If I have fifth round Melvin Gordon shares and he plays sixteen games, that is a massive leg up on the field. Yep, that makes sense. Especially um, the Tyreek Hill teams, right? Because they can't have fifth round Melvin Gordon. Right. So, yeah, that's true. So it's you know as the draft dynamics change, so too should your draft strategy. Okay, that makes sense. So, uh, any other besides Tony Pollard, any other uh, running backs uh, that kind of fall in the you know I don't know four to eight round four, round four to round eight that are worth uh, kind of making a uh, an elevator pitch for, or should we uh, talk a little about wide receivers? We can talk about receivers. Like, yeah, okay. There's a couple of guys I like later, but like, there's nothing I would say like rounds four. I guess Latavius Murray is the one guy in rounds four through eight I'll make a pitch for. Really, Mark Ingram roll at worst if Kamara was to get hurt. It's a home run pick. And I, think, I think he's more talented than Mark Ingram, too, for what it's worth. Good call. Good call. Okay. Um, okay, so wide receiver, I'm not surprised Number that uh, wide receiver one is DeAndre Hopkins. That makes sense to me, uh, and that's probably where I would have slotted him. Uh, I'm surprised, however, that Devontae Adams is number two. This feels a little kind of... Uh, people trying to be kind of outsmart the system a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, we have not really seen, uh, you know, health and, and production that would warrant this high a projection. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe the fantasy community is correct and I'm wrong. Is, you know, what's, what's the, what's the, I mean, that's kind of been the theme here so far. Well, yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's probably <laughs> the truth, but, uh, you know, what's, what's the deal? Why is, uh, why is Devonte Adams so high? A good question. You're talking about a player that I have two shares of total <laughs> for, t- for ten dollars okay. uh, total. And though I bet you, if I pull these teams up, these are Melvin Gordon second round teams. I was trying to build unique lineups with. Uh, let's see. The first one was uh, probably a misclick. So, <laughs> let's see. The second one was also a misclick. <laughs> okay, so you're cool on De- on Devonte Adams. Um, uh, um, I I. I the, the, bear, the case is that if you took his worst game last year and multiplied it by 16, he would have been wide receiver one. Like, so when he plays, he's pretty consistent. I think, though, this Matt Laf- people don't realize that Matt LaFleur's offenses are not that great. Like, this is a this is a guy who was offensive coordinator, did not realize that Derrick Henry was better than Deion Lewis. That is that is a true and wild statement. Um, yeah. So... And especially they had terrible quarterback play. Maybe you try to get your best running back on the field in that situation, but he couldn't figure that out. Um, and I, I, they have a bunch of wide receivers there. I, I think eventually someone's just going to go, hey, you know what we should do? We should just double team Devontae Adams the entire game and make Aaron Rodgers beat us chucking the ball down to Aaron Jones or Dexter Williams um, or throwing the ball to Scantling, St. Brown, and Allison. Or out of bounds. <laughs> right. Or, yeah, yeah. Like, or in the stands. Just, just take Devontae Adams out of the game and, and go ahead and try to beat us that way. I'm not sure Matt LaFleur is good enough to build an offensive scheme to make that work. Um, okay. so it's it's kind of good to hear this. <laughs> yeah. We, this has been a heavy discussion lately with it us, has. just amongst you know various people, uh, a few different chats. Um, and it's something I just haven't dug into enough because when we get into previews next week, we're not starting with the NFC North, so I haven't dug deep yet. But yeah, the Packers, honestly, that whole division, but the Packers offense under LaFleur, what it's going to look like is definitely something that we – haven't come to a consensus yet and it's it's interesting to hear your you know just uh, we kind of accidentally stumbled into this today well no i the, i had i the wide uh, the wide stand, I didn't no let him into yeah. that but no I, uh, i'm asking I, i'm asking everyone i'm asking everyone that, that can, yeah good yeah, I'm asking so, everyone that we've talked to, to that's smart what they think about aaron Rodgers this year because you know that the, the the, the the people who are who are evidence based analysis folks look at the last four years from Rodgers and tell us he is not the same player that he was in 2011 2012 uh, and that, it's that, very hard to disagree with that that's the best long shot I came really close when I was in New Jersey to betting the Lions to win that division 
And I wish I had done it. Uh, okay. Okay. Not because I think they're the best team, just because I think the Bears are overrated, the Packers are overrated, and the Vikings are overrated. So the price, is, I'm sure, is probably just like really phenomenal. Mm, okay. Uh, it is pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it's like 11, what, 11, 12 to 1? Or something yeah, like that. Crazy. It's pretty. It's really good price. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, interesting take on DeAndre. Uh, I'm sorry, on uh, Devonte Adams. Um, is Hopkins? I've said I set it up, but I didn't really kind of qualify. Is Hopkins your first your wide receiver one? He's never one of my rankings. I really don't end up with him a lot um, because, like, he goes kind of like sixth, seventh, and like it's fine. I just sometimes talk myself out of it. Um, it's like, you know, if you take Hopkins, you can't take any of the other cool receiver options on that team that are like more value. So it's like, if I take Hopkins, I'm not ending up with Will Fuller or Kuti unless I'm trying to build a Houston stack, which is just annoying because Watson goes way too high. Yep. And he so could get hurt. It, it's kind of like, it, I, I don't hate the player, but I'm just intentionally trying not to draft him as much as possible. Okay, that makes sense. Who uh, who are some wide receivers that you're ending up with uh, some pretty significant shares of? So I was really happy today when the the, the Keneal Harry four drop uh, story came out because um, it, it buried the lead on another story that was even better. It was that the Brady and Brian Hoyer circle of trust was James White, Sonny Michelle, Keneal Harry, and um, Jacoby Myers. Like those are the the players they keep separating off and doing work with one-on-one and um i was like really afraid that that story was going to come out because Keneal harry is one of my highest owned receivers right now i if you look at the patriots depth chart you have to realize very quickly Keneal harry is going to start like are the drops annoying in the practice sure but if you go back and look at this tape he didn't drop many balls um you know i'm, I'm sure it's a lot of bit of nerves you know first training camp all that but he's every, every camp story was, oh, he made this acrobatic one-handed catch on the sideline, and Brady was really thrilled with it because he overthrew it by three yards. And it's just like he's going to get in the circle of trust really quickly if he's not already there. So I was just really happy that that's not the article that went viral, and it was like, oh, he dropped four balls in one practice in July. I was like, excellent. Let that story go viral. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure it's, what, you know, what is his eight, What is his ADP? Can tell you where's I mean, where's he going like sixth, seventh round? No, like 10th, 11th, lower 10th. Oh, Jesus, yeah. I, I, I are you taking him 10th, 11th? And I'm, I, I'm setting the market, like right you're, now. you're setting the market on him. I, I, I wasn't, but lately I've been setting the market on him, and I am just perfectly fine setting the market on him as a 10th round pick. There's no risk, and the depth chart has like again, this is why I'm just convinced Josh Gordon's going back. It's like Philip Dorsett. Dontrell Inman, Jacoby Myers, Maurice Harris, a converted quarterback, Danny Etling from Purdue, and I'm forgetting someone. But it's just like, you drafted this guy in the first round. Belichick's never drafted a first-round receiver. He was dynamic under Herm Edwards at Arizona State. You know that Belichick talked to Herm Edwards about the kid. Like, he just checks all the boxes. And I went back and watched his tape. Once I was, saw the Patriots drafted him, I was like, okay, what did Bill Belichick see that made him take him in the first round and try to trade up for him? And just you just realize it's just like it's everything he wants in a receiver, a guy that can just make plays. Brady's going to love him. <sighs> You're not worried about the fact that Belichick's ability to evaluate receivers in the draft is not good? But he's never used a first-round pick. He's always used like second-round pick on like speedster guys, not like – he hasn't really tried to go for like the big target wide receiver. Like he tries to go for like. Did you really need to say receiver, slow whale? Like his, <laughs> his ability to pick anyone and the, like they do, they just they don't build their teams through the draft. I mean, when they Ron, do find someone, you know, Howard eventually Howard. something's gonna. I mean, something's gonna hit. They, you know, why? Is, when when players hit in the draft for the Patriots, it's because they have so many goddamn draft picks. Like they don't usually have high picks. They have a shitload through the middle. They just draft on volume, and something's gonna hit. And honestly, I kind of like I like Nikhil too. Or however I mean, you say his name. I mean, you, you, hard, say, you say that hard. I don't like the Harry. apostrophes. Harry. Yeah, yeah. Let's just call him Harry. Yeah, I mean, like, they've had some hits in the first round. You know, Donta Hightower, Chandler Jones, Jamie Collins, Logan Ryan, Jimmy G. 
you know, it's just nice. The Patriots have this edge. They don't have to draft any linemen in the first three rounds because they have like the best secret weapon in Dante Scarnecchia, who's like amazing. If you go look at the Patriots run, like the years they had Dante Scarnecchia as the offensive lineman, and then like the two year gap, he retired. And it's just, a, it's night and day. Like he, he's a cheat code. It's amazing. He never got a promotion anywhere. Like he, the Patriots would just draft these third round, fourth round linemen, and they'd all be good. Like if I if I just like started listing off on Seth Lyman, the Patriots have drafted late. It's just not fair. Yeah, no, that's true. No disagreement there. Um, do you have any shares of uh, Patriots running backs then? No. Oh, okay, interesting. Just too many, um, too many guys are going to get work there. It's just going to yeah, true. Get less. true, true, true. Okay, so who are some other wide receivers that we should? You know, have I want to. I want to go back to Green Bay. Yeah, good. Like, it just got me thinking about, like, like Scantling and uh, I can't think of the other one guy. Like, even Geronimo Allison. Yeah. The Val- fact Valtrex. that, you know, just the scenario Valtrex. you laid out. And, Valtrex, uh, and Mercedes, Scantling, and, uh, and yeah. Geronimo. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, the, the scenario you laid out where they take they take away your number one option and you're forcing Rodgers, who can create some time, and if he just – you know, if he sits down and talks to his receivers and said, just keep running around, buddy, I'll make it work. He does make shitty receivers look halfway decent. Until he Those guys got to be way down, you know, 11th, 12th round kind of people, maybe deeper. No, they're going like in the 8th and ninth, and it's just like, blah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know about all that. The, the Packers, like people are just higher enough on the Packers where it's just, well, I think St. Brown's going to end up playing more than people think. I think like so. Rogers, can, but it's just... I just don't know if that's fantasy. That's the one I couldn't think fantasy of. relevant. Like it might be like cool to watch on the field. I'm just not sure it's fantasy relevant. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, okay. What about uh, in kind of rather than like the deep the deep cuts? Uh, any of kind of the the meat and potatoes? You know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two players that you think are are clear and obvious value right now? Chris Godwin. And okay. I, I don't think this is one. I'm not gonna be the only person that says this, but Tampa Bay, huh? Because he's good. taking. He's taking. Is he taking the uh, Deshaun Jackson role? He's taking. He's taking the. I am almost as good as Mike Evans role. Oh wow! And okay. Bruce Arians can't stop saying good things about him. Like he won't come off the field. A hundred plus receptions. A reporter said, "You mean a hundred plus targets?" He said, "No, I meant what I said. I said a hundred plus receptions." <laughs> like the guy is just an offensive beast. Jameis is good. Byron left, which is like the perfect offensive coordinator for, for Jameis Winston. Like when I think Jameis Winston, I think of Byron Leftwich, like a gunner who didn't have accuracy, but improved every year in his career. It's just a perfect offensive scheme for him. Their defense is terrible. They're going to be behind. They're going to be throwing and they're going to be successful doing it. Like they're going to basically run a modified air raid. Like, mm. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be that quick, but the pass skate, like the route tree, is going to be pretty like air raid like. Okay, well that's exciting. I hope that manifests. That'd be fun. Um, the uh, so Chris Godwin. Okay, uh, yeah. Right now he's like wide receiver twenty one. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, you, you like him? You like I, I, him? He's like wide receiver like ten on the board. Mm. Anyone? Uh, anyone from the Rams or the Falcons worth uh, worth trying to corner? I mean, Julio and Ridley are great. Like, Julio's end round one, early round two. Ridley's in the middle of round four, round five right now. I'm perfectly fine with all of those options there. Rams, I'm just higher on Woods than Cooks. I just don't like the route tree that Cooks runs um, yeah. for the Rams. Don't really have much interest in Cooper Cup. I think that knee is going to be more of an issue than people have let on. Like, he had a knee oh, injury before. But, like, he, I'm still convinced that he played hurt in the Saints game because his grandfather's number was being retired. I'll never be able to prove it. It'll never come out. Sure. No way. He was doubtful and then magically was traveled with the team and then played and then played like every snap and then got like hurt the next week. I just can't imagine that there's not more problems with that knee. Um, And he was a twitchy guy that really needed it. I know Edelman came back, but Josh Reynolds is there and I'm just not sure that Cooper Cup's going to play the percentage of snaps that he was before the knee injury. Um, So I kind of, it's kind of Robert Woods or bust for me. Uh, when it comes to the wide receiving options. Okay, nice. Um, so, line. any other wide receivers you have questions about, uh, Andy, or you want to talk a little tight end? I guess maybe if you want to just lay out your feelings on the Pittsburgh receivers, besides the top option there, uh, is there any interest in going deep on the other ones? I mean, if James Washington's probably getting drafted right where he needs to be. I mean, it's just, 
the I it's the problem with this Pittsburgh receivers is I think the guys that are going to win the job right out of camp are the least talented of the group. Mm. And the question is just like, for example, like Moncrief over Washington over Deontay Johnson. And it's like, if I was to rank them on talent, I would rank them the other way. Like I would rank up Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Moncrief. And that's always just tough because you just never know, like, when's the injury going to occur? You know, is he going to get enough work in those weeks to win the job? Um, Deontay Johnson is just a guy I loved pre-draft. And when he went to the Steelers in the third round, I was just like, see, my evaluation was right. As, as it's, it's just got my receivers right all the time. You're just like, see, I'm right. You all were wrong. Is 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 Juju on your don't draft list then, yeah. just based on being being so high, or is he is he in a fair range? If you yeah, he's if you're looking at like think, and yeah. end of mid to end round two. Yeah, I think he's kind of a. I take him anywhere in round two in the right circumstances. Yeah, he has I, a chance to be. Sure. He, have, he has a chance to be number one overall when you when all the dust settles at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think that'd be a really good season for the Steelers. I'm not sure I'm ready to say that, but like. I don't think he's going to have a bad season. I think he's kind of like the – he's going to be a high-end wide receiver too at worst, and that does have value. Do you buy in any of the narrative around him that I've heard from the fantasy community that is like he had X tackles on like the one-yard line or, you know, like passes broken up in the end zone? Like he was shorted something like four or five touchdowns last year? I mean, he's also going to get more coverage this year than he got last year. It's just really hard to kind of compare that kind of thing. Touchdowns are just so bad. Okay. Yeah, I do have one more receiver one then. You're you're sitting at the I'll say end of the third round there. Both Minnesota receivers are on the board. Who are you taking and why? Chris Godwin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's, let's say I'm in the league and I already grabbed him. Uh, you grabbed him too early. You should have waited for the third round. I'm the pick before you. <laughs> um, all jokes aside, if I had to have one, I'm probably taking Stefan Diggs. Ooh, but wow. okay. I, I'm not really like clamoring the table for any of them. Mostly because of the the system in Minnesota scares you. No, it's just I just, it's just I don't think they're gonna win, I don't think they're gonna win the league for me. Like they feel kind of safey. Like they're not really gonna kill me. And Diggs's injuries could pop up, and Thielen could kind of turn into a pumpkin whenever. It's just. A lot of risk for not a whole lot of reward there. Okay. Well, that's an interesting, that. interesting point of view. Um, while we're talking about receiving, uh, this is, and, you know, and before we kind of move off this, I, I want to get your take on this because it's been kind of in the back of my head. It's been bugging me a little bit, but like there's a lot of folks in the fantasy community uh, and the, in kind of the analytics community who have done and who are currently doing like, groundbreaking research understanding the game figuring out what plus cv plays are figuring out like oh you know like you know you know depth of target means this and you know you know so basically like kind of you know synthesizing some of the obvious into kind of a quantitative approach and saying okay well these are obvious guys who we should be looking at evaluating from the standpoint of you know un you know unrecognized but primed to pop from a receiving standpoint. And, you know, I hear them and I see these articles and I get wind of this conversation. And I'm wondering myself, like, why in the heck aren't, you know, aren't these folks just absolutely destroying the prop market for game by game props? Like receiving props are, they are widely available Saturday, Sunday, you know, Saturday, Sunday before games. Like, you know, if it's a primetime game, you can get receiving options on like the fourth and fifth guys. Like, you know, these props seem ripe to be destroyed. Like, you know, is this something that I should be spending more time on and trying to take some of their information and integrate it into a, a, a reasonable, you know, well-priced, uh, you know, uh, well-priced prop and, you know, and, and, and try to supplement this with, you know, sides and totals in the NFL? Uh, or, you know, are these guys actually betting these and I just don't know it? I mean, so... I don't want to speak for anyone else because I, I mean, maybe they are secretly betting them, but from my understanding of it, and again, I don't want to speak for anyone else. Like I, I'm not this know-it-all. I don't know everything about their lives. Some of these guys work for really established companies and I can't imagine that it's something that they would ever want to get out, even no matter how small the risk. Um, so I just don't think these guys are betting them. 
Okay. Um, it's hard to get down really simply too. It's not like you can just walk into New Jersey. I can't just walk onto the DK or FanDuel or points bets and just start firing $2,000 a prop. Sure. That was honestly like the best part of the sports betting championship was like, oh, I can fire like $2,000 away at prop. Like, because they raised the limits like 15 times for the sports betting championship. Oh. And I was so focused on winning the championship, I might have just been like, you know what I should just do? I should just fire away at props for a weekend. If I'm like, if I've got ten times limits, I probably should just be firing props. Absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely, you should. But the, it was just like you know, there's also a million dollars up top. There's like a zillion dollar a ton of overlay. Like, you know, like I should just focus on that, try to win that. And I did a poor, terrible job of it. I did the right thing. I put a big bet down early. I just didn't make it big enough. Like I should have just fired all in on the golf, like first bet at noon out of the gate on Friday. Like time is your friend. And like, if I could go back and do it, I would have max bet like a six ball. A, cause there was a great edge on the, in the six ball. But like, it's like, <laughs> if I, you know, if I have like four or five times the bankroll before the Friday night basketball games than anyone else has, like I can go win this thing on Friday night. Or put myself in a position for a really good cash on one, like Friday night before the standings come out. Okay. And that, that was my biggest regret. But it was just also another situation where it's just like I had really good lim- limits on freaking props that I didn't just fire away at. I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. So your oh, opinion, though, the prop market is... It was fun It was fun to follow that whole... It was fun yeah, to follow It was fun to follow that betting contest. Except the end. Someone's going to fire it. I don't know who's going to be ballsy enough to do it, but someone's going to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But, but prop, prop, the prop market is still relatively soft. Yeah, so like we, like we can take, we can take a, a mature spread in total, have a very good idea of what the market thinks the game's outcome is going to be, and then you know marry that with some of the DFS community's kind of projections and understanding of you know who's you know you know who's overpriced, underpriced, and destroy the prop market if we feel like this year, basically. Yeah. Yeah, if you can if you can find a way to get the money down, that's absolutely the props are absolutely exploitable. Okay, and it's not right. just it's not just football props too. It's like baseball strikeout props are one of the biggest edges out there. Yeah, Barrios has eleven now. Like, uh, does he really? Anybody and their sister? Were, yeah, we all got we all got down on like six and a half. Barrios has eleven. I think he's only thrown eighty pitches. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually they actually lifted him because it's a lapper right now. Um okay, so let's uh, okay, that 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 makes sense. I, I get that. I get that. And I'm going to I'm going to spend a little bit more time thinking about this as and preparing for this this season cuz I I would like more ways to get down in games. I'm getting to the point where, you know, I'm I'm hitting you know, so I'm starting yeah. to look for more opportunities. So this is this 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 makes well, sense. And well, yeah. I mean, and what you're saying there, outside of outside of actually sitting and building a model to predict props, which I think would be fun and maybe we still should do, but how many times, you know, outside of just getting a number early, but when you actually take a, a handicapping angle on a game or even a total, are you kind of centering it around a game plan based on the matchup? And that's going to start to center around a few players who oh, yeah. are probably going to under or overperform. Where strong, I mean, you're, you're sure. essentially making you're making strong arguments uh, for or against certain players or certain groups of players. And I mean, I bet a lot of those times when you're right, all those props would have hit. Here's my This is my biggest issue with air yards and these advanced statistics. And I think they all have value. And I'm not like trying to go anti analytics here. But when I'm a, if I'm an offensive coordinator, right, and, you know, we've played two teams the last couple of weeks that are very vulnerable d- via the deep ball. We just didn't execute very well. Um, and now we're playing a, Tampa, a team that plays Tampa 2, two safeties back. Um, are, are we going to try to attack the deep corners or are we going to be trying to attack the middle of the football field, right? And, and sure. th- that's the type of situation, like, Everyone just kind of assumes all like air yards will, will regress immediately. And it's like matchup plays a huge part in football. Like Matt, it's like, okay, this team has an awful slot corner. Like, okay. Like they're going to attack the middle of the field and try to get this nickel corner to make mistakes. Right. And they're going to run a lot of, you know, screens and picks and just to try to get that guy involved as much as possible. Right. The, the smart coaches, you know, the dumb coaches, you know, God bless them, whatever, deal with them later. But when I try to evaluate, you know, whether it be Cliss Kingsbury this year or um, Josh McDaniels, it's like, okay, what is the 
weak, what is the weakness of the defense? What are they going to try to attack the most? That's where I think the biggest edge in the prop market is. It's like, okay, like James White receptions. It's like this team has a middle linebacker that can't cover. Like, okay, James White, let's go over three and a half catches. And you look at the end of the first drive, and it's like James White, four <laughs> catches, 45 and a touchdown. Yeah, 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 for sure. Th- those uh, To this point in my life, betting props, that those are the ones that are you know immediately come to mind where you have like a specific matchup advantage that you know like Andy, you said like yeah you're you're basing your handicap on a game and you're betting aside because you're like this is a really nice advantage in their favor and like oh yeah well if you oh. want to isolate it to that advantage you can do it in the prop market you just can't do it until saturday when the when you know the the line and the yeah the total and matured a little bit i mean aside from what i was heading here that's the other thing about the prop market you're not betting the prop market early in the week like we do with some of these games we're taking it is you know later in the week stuff but i think it's definitely something we're gonna have to explore further this fall and then to what cj just said it makes me think of something i just listened to today it was uh pinnacles podcast they had a couple guys on that were talking about uh soccer and they got deep into the expected goals metrics and it made me think what they said and it goes to what we always said context you know you can't just blindly take these xg stats or like cj said you know the air yard stats and just forward predict things you know like like he said you gotta look at why certain stats were a certain way in the past and you know if the matchup is conducive to keep that going or if something funny happened in the game where you have to actually look at these box scores and you can't just blindly bet on these advanced metrics uh, going forward those guys really i i can't i'm, I'm not even going to try to paraphrase how they did it they were talking real deep into soccer but uh they explained it pretty well as far as you know actually going back and looking why a team has expected goals or in this case air yards that way Mm, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to think about it some more because uh, I'm pretty sure that, I mean, you know, I, I also, I'm like looking for something to do on like Friday and Saturday. Like <laughs> I, all my bets are in usually and I'm sitting around just waiting for the games to start. So, I know it. Uh, yeah, I'm just yeah, waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting to put my teaser exactly, in. The yeah, like, I'm just sitting around tooling my thumbs. So I'm looking for something else to do anyway. Um, okay. Uh, I don't really have any other, I guess I, I was going to ask you about uh, tight ends. Um, but uh, you know, I, you you kind of you are kind of already tipped. You like the Miami guy, the <laughs> Mike Kosecki. Uh, any other tight ends that you think are worth uh, circling, or any other tight ends that are on do not draft? Um, Evan Evan Ingram is a guy I like a lot. Um, sure, mm-hmm. for all the reasons that you were like Saquon Barkley, I just think he's going to just get all those targets over the middle of the field. And this when year, Dan- where, where, Evan Ingram, your third best tight end at the end of the year? Yes, better and- than Kittle, maybe. Yeah, he's higher than Kittle right now. Oh, wow. You think he ends up at tight end, too, after Kelsey? If Kelsey's healthy? Depends how much Goddard plays. Okay. I think wow. I, I think I have I think I have oh, Goddard's just going to take like take, take out snaps Ertz okay. from Ertz, okay. right? So the question is just how much are they going to force him on the field? Okay, got uh, it. But I like I like Engram much more at his price than Ertz at his price, for example. Again, you're paying the, the sky high price for Ertz. You're not paying that for Ingram, who's been super effective when he's on the field. And when Daniel Jones eventually starts, like, <laughs> it's going to be. Oh, where's my check down? Oh, there's five guys around the Dude, I don't think we're seeing Daniel Jones this year, man. We are Honestly. absolutely seeing Daniel Jones. Oh, I, I've, we've been I'm over this, I'm dis- I disagree with you guys, though. Like, honestly, like, the reason he's on the team, the reason they went out and drafted him is because the Manning camp gave it the A-OK. And I think the Mannings know that he's not ready to threaten for a job this year. Like, he's legitimately you, a full year of being in front exactly. of this. 0-5. Like, you're not just going to run Eli out there again. I, you know, the, everybody there is entrenched. Gettleman's entrenched. Schumer's is only a second year. Your, I don't think that they're going to be. Your best argument is that Gettleman's a total idiot. Like, that is your best case. It's like Gettleman's so dumb, and the Giants' ownership is so dumb, they might just play Eli 16. Like, that's your best case scenario. I just boy, boy, I don't know. They they were so wishy washy on the, the the when they when they benched Eli, broke the streak, put G, Geno Smith out there. Like they got so embarrassed, they got so embarrassed, and they took what their tail between their legs and they what ran away. They ran away and hid. Like they, that was that was all I needed to see to know like who's calling the shots around there. And Eli Manning starts through the rest of the season and decides to ride off in the sunset after it. I, I, honestly, like you know Daniel Jones, he, he, you may be in a situation where if you're 
the Giants, it makes sense organizationally to start him. I just don't think that they're going to go that direction. I can see Eli Manning like, retiring after like week eight. <laughs> you know, I'm good. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Okay, well, uh, any other interesting hot? Uh, hot you want to leave us with a couple hot takes uh, or like kind of final thoughts about the uh, your draft strategy? Uh, just have like, at the end of the day, draft the guys you want. Like, especially if you're playing just in one home league, like don't be like don't start jumping guys six rounds. But like, if you want to drop someone you like two rounds, go for it. Yeah, that's good like, advice. Team at the end of the day, don't let anyone talk you on or off. A real quick, explain how to win at DFS. Like, if we want to make a lot of money doing that. Well, how about we play thirty <laughs> seconds here? I can just show you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we'll probably we'll probably do some we'll probably do some leagues. I this think year. Andy, I know the answer in thirty seconds. Do you want to know? You pull your money with somebody who knows what they're Sorry. doing, <laughs> and let them do it. <laughs> that, that's like very, like they right. do with the World Series, the poker. Can't we just stay course you? If you, if you wanted to, God, we, we could absolutely arrange that. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap this <laughs> up. This was super, super entertaining. Uh, I, I feel more prepared now. I appreciate your time and, and uh, all your perspective on this stuff. And, and thank you again for, and, and you know, I'm, I am going to take the uh, the jump into the best ball pool this August. Kill some time. I for way. sure am. Oh, that's it. I think it's, it's going to make me more prepared to bet the football season, regular season. I, I'm guessing. It's so much fun. And like okay. they, they now, it's just more, it's, it's more prep. They now have a five dollar one too, where you can win like twenty k or something. Like it's, it's oh, I'll just do like a hundred of those. Yeah, um, okay, I'm in on cool, that. cool, cool, cool. Do they have a limit of how many you can enter? Max one fifty, I think. Max one fifty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's one fifty max. Hmm, okay, I, can check, I, got, I got the app up. I can tell you one fifty total across all entries, oh, yeah. or just that, for, for <laughs> certain pools. One fifty in every turn, and in uh, the one fifty in the five dollar and the twenty five. Uh, like so, in each tournament, you can play one fifty. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, cool. Boy, cool. at that point, it's not even the money; it's just who has the time to do that. I guess you probably did that, didn't you? No, I, I did not. I, 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 did, I, I did not max them out. I, I did not. Max, I did not max out the first game. So. All right, I'm. I, I, where, yeah, where yeah. can people find you? What are you up to this fall? Yeah, um, arborpro.com. We've we've got our season long packages up there with all of our best ball content, best ball rankings. Um, just kind of our also we do I do a write up every week just kind of on the recent trends uh, kind of a lot of what we talked about guys rising falling um, and as guys get injured you know the, inevitably during camp like how do you adjust for those type of things um, our DFS package should be up any day now um, and we have like really steep discounts if you get it all um, our what our lead fantasy expert and this guy probably plays like I don't want to put a number in his mouth, but it's well over six figures in fantasy football leagues. He's doing a mentorship program this year to kind of teach you how to become like a wizard yourself. Um, we're going to launch that in the next couple of days. Uh, that's something we've been really working on for a while, and it's going to be a really cool program. Um, and then, of course, our sports betting package, which you guys are the experts at this, but uh, we are we are going to our sports betting package. Let's just say we'll have a very prop heavy theme to it. Uh, so a lot of things we did talk about are going to magically show up in our sports betting package. I like this. Um, and you know, I think, you know, at least for, I, I've heard enough people say this, I think it's probably good advice, but like if you're getting into this relatively new to this, you want a market that you think, you know, you can take on the prop market is probably the perfect place to start. And you know, if you're not, if you're not limit betting anyway, then, you know, it's not going to scare you away. So, um, good stuff, man. Siege, best luck this season. Thank you for your time. And, uh, yes. you know, we'll go win some best balls, man. You guys coming to Vegas? For week oh, one, yeah. we will be there. Are uh, you going to be there? Absolutely. You kidding me? Yes. Couldn't miss it for the world. Yes. All right. Can't wait to see you, man. Absolutely. Can't wait to see you guys. See you in a month. All right. Take care.